Leitner. Puts it up. You're listening to the Culture State Podcast. Get ready. Yo, this is the nuclear week right here. Um, the the same thing that we just thought that wouldn't ever happen ever in life, mm-hmm. but it's happening, and we have to talk about it a little bit. And it just so happened to line up on a day where we spoke to a former Duke Blue Devil. Welcome to the Culture State Podcast. I am Chris Lee. That is my man, Dennis Jamel Cox. Please don't have any of your family members come after me for saying that. I know. I know. I I gladly accept the name. I have fully accepted it. Embrace <laughs> the name, Chris. Even though some people are like that's not your actual name. Sorry, it is now. <laughs> it is now. And a big thanks before we get into that, even a little bit more. Big thanks to our sponsor, Papa Murphy's Pizza. Yes. Ten ninety nine large pizzas on Tuesdays. So stop by Papa Murphy's. Get that nice take and bake it in your own ovens, fresh out. It's delicious. Ten ninety nine any large pizza on Tuesdays. Papa Murphy's changed the way you pizza. Yes, Chris, some people have, um, I don't know, they've been hesitant to uh, 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 accept the name Dennis Jamel Cox. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. But it's mostly just like family members because they've called me Dennis Michael my entire life. Yeah, I think it came to, uh, um, you know, so just so, so everybody knows what we're talking about, I just put up a picture of Dennis and I on WRL Sports Plus, uh, which is the new channel that Capital Broadcasting owns, our sports channel, mm-hmm. and this, which is where you can watch Culture State, and uh, in our episode with B Dot from last week, or whenever it was, was it last week? Yeah, it was last week. Oh, okay, I didn't. You know, my, my it, weeks are just running together. It's all right run together with all the tournaments. <laughs> everything just. I don't know what day it is. Actually, yeah, no, seriously. Um, but anyway, uh, what you said it was your grandmother. Yeah, my grandma. She was, replied on, on my Facebook, and like, Jamel, where's that coming from? <laughs> and had to send Michael. <laughs> fix it. <laughs> Sorry, grandma. It's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to hear her actually say Jamel because I wonder if she said like Jamel or something like that. <laughs> this is not Dennis Jamel. <laughs> <laughs> who's Jamel? Who's Jamel? <laughs> Oh, uh, that's hilarious, man. Uh, but shout outs to the family, though. Um, oh, yeah. Speaking of family, mm-hmm. speaking of brotherhood. Oh, uh, you have Duke versus North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this, this is being released on Wednesday. Uh, and a few days after that, you're going to have Duke versus North Carolina in the final four. Yeah. Um, you know, I- I've always kind of wondered what would happen if Duke went against North Carolina, let's say, in the same bracket, like it was a, a regional championship and the yeah. winner goes to the final four, but this raises the stakes. Like winner goes to the national championship game. Yeah. The, the stories speaks for itself in terms of bless you, by the way, no one didn't hear it or no one heard it, but Chris just sneezed. But the thing is every, all the, the whole storyline's already written, you know, it's just everything that you can imagine stacking up with, Coach K's final season, UNC beating Duke at Cameron and North for K's final home final home game, and first time ever meeting in the NCAA tournament. It's a Final Four. All these different circumstances that you just stack one on top of the other, and it actually happened. It yeah. actually happened. Yeah. I mean, this is like Avenger Avengers Endgame level scripting here. Of like all these different things had to happen to get to this point. Guess what? Now we're having a big payoff. I love it. Give it to me. Give I don't it. want it. Well, too bad, Chris. You have it. 
We I all have it. it, Chris. So embrace it and learn to love it. <laughs> learn is, to love is, it because we have it. This is not going to be the easiest week in the culture state, man. Like, oh, you know, beautiful. it's going to be stressed. It's going to be stressful in the culture Thank state you. this week. And I'm actually kind of glad, like, wouldn't it be worse if, let's say, the Final Four just so happened to be in Charlotte? Oh, God. Like, if Bank of America oh, Stadium had a, had a dome over it. And it just so happened to be in Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, that would have been glorious. That would have been horrible. Oh, oh that would have been so wonderful. That would have been horrible. Oh, my God. I don't want it, man. I don't want it. You have it. You have it. You have it. We have Duke basketball legend Gene Banks going to join us. He's got some wild stories to tell from when he was being recruited. Also, just his time at Duke and being one of the first people at Duke University to play for Coach K, even though he had played for a previous coaching staff before K had arrived. He's going to talk all about that next here on Culture State. Another episode of Culture State Podcast. This time we have a Duke legend on with us. Uh, of course, uh, it's great to talk to you, Mr. Gene Banks, one of uh, a Duke, the Duke legends and uh, came in before Mike Krzyzewski's time, but he played his senior year under Coach Mike Krzyzewski in his first year at Duke University. So not only is uh, he a Duke legend important to the state of North Carolina uh, with what he's doing now and then, of course, uh, with uh, his time with Duke, but also since he played under Coach K, and this is timely, this is Coach K's uh, last season at Duke. Mr. Banks, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thanks for asking. Uh, so I'm glad that uh, you were able to to get on with us. And uh, first off, like, I just I wanted to know, I want to go back and just do some research into what the Duke program was looking like in the 70s. And, you know, it was a pretty good program in the 60s. Seemed like it kind of, you know, dipped a little in the 70s. But you and Mike Jeminski uh, kind of helped turn things around. What was the uh, driving factor of you deciding, you know what, let me not go to UCLA. Let me not go to these other schools. Let, let, let's, go to, let's go to North Carolina. Let's go to Durham. Why, do, why, why go to Duke at, at that well, time? It, it, it was, I mean, it really truly was divine intervention. I mean, I was uh, uh, number one player in America, cold with uh, Albert King out of uh, Fort Hamilton in New York. Uh, you know, we were pretty much the first with Badger Johnson. We are the first McDonald's All-Americans. Uh, let's put that on the record. You know, the yeah. very first one. Uh, also, I think uh, Danny Varange is a part of that. Uh, Darnell Valentine. Some of those guys. We were the very first McDonald's. So, make a long story short, uh, they were trying to get me to stay home uh, because the Big Five. You know about the Big Five, LaSalle, St. Joe, and so forth. It was it was going through a little time there, and I would have stayed home. I would have went to the University of Penn. Penn, Penn had me really kind of locked because of uh, having Tim Smith who had played with me in West Philly, and he was okay. on that team there. Uh, the problem was, what eliminated them was the Ivy League didn't allow you to play varsity basketball. They were the last conference that did wow. not allow you to play varsity. You had to play freshman. And I thought that playing on a freshman team it didn't make sense when I could play varsity. Uh, I know the meaning of that is to give you less, give you more time to study and, and, and adapt, but uh, that's what happened with that. That eliminated Penn. I uh, went to UCLA, as you mentioned, UCLA. <laughs> I happened to go to uh, the Playboy Mansion. So <laughs> if they had the letter of intent. Got to ask you about that one. <laughs> if, yes. if, they had, if they had the letter of intent with them on that day, I would have signed it. So, <laughs> let's, let's be clear on that one. But let's get back to Let's get back to spirituality of it, because that's what it really was. I never, I never knew anything about Duke. Uh, Nothing about the team. Um, I knew something. Uh, Taylor Armstrong had played for them because he played for the Olympic team, 
and uh, knew nothing about them. My English teacher was the one that told me, actually, that I had one more visit. I, I chose NC State, Carolina, Michigan, Notre Dame, and uh, UCLA. And I had one more because they allowed you six visits. And I had I was going to try to take Hawaii just for the trip, you know, that kind of <laughs> They changed the rules. And I'm being very serious. This is what happened. So make a long story short, uh, he kept saying you should go down there. My English teacher was he gave me tutor on the side as well. Always talking about academics, da da da. I mean, he just badgered me, and just to get him off my back, I said, "I'll go and visit." Okay, I visit. I came. I visited. Being the one player, you know, you're gonna get a lot of uh, rollouts and all that. And uh, I saw Duke. It was the beautiful architecture, uh, and I met a, a group of blacks that were there going to school. It wasn't. It wasn't a large number. And I liked how it was just. It was just beautiful in the fact that students came from all over the world too. That was another thing that. They got me, and uh, just be fast forward, I just said to myself, I said, you know, I can come here and make this team a national power. Now, I'm not Patrick Ewan or Ralph Sampson, like an aircraft carrier. I just knew that I could come and uh, bring what uh, Coach Joe Goldenberg was fully taught us uh, about winning, because I only lost maybe two year, two games in four years. Mm -hmm. uh, we were the number one high school team, uh, high school team in America when I graduated. So. I just, I said that I was very, it wasn't vain. I was very strong about it. And when I got home, this is what happened. I was able to come back home from all the recruiting. I was up in my room and I told my mom, mom, I really don't know where I'm gonna go. Every school is just as good as the next school. I mean, everyone went to state, that was nice. Went to Carolina, was nice. Went to all these places. And she said, what I want you to do is I want you to stay in the room. I want you to pray about it. I said, okay. You know, because we were we had a church in our basement at one time. So uh, mm -hmm. she closed the door. She locked it. My mother never locked the door before. Never. She locked the door. I put my my turntable on. I put on my Barry White. I like okay. Barry. I was a Barry White man. You know, I love You'll that. never find <laughs> <laughs> <Not> Barry White. <laughs> anyway, but uh, I put it on. I closed my eyes, and the whole time as I was wrestling, I dreamt of wearing a Duke uniform. Honestly. I dreamt of wearing a Duke uniform, getting on the bus, traveling, no faces of who the, all the players were. But when I woke up the next morning, I told my mom, I said, Mom, you always told us about visions, uh, believing in them, and I believe I know where I'm going to go. She didn't even ask me where, where, where I was going to go. She just says, let me call the school. She called the school. They set up the time thing. Uh, don't come now because the world wants to know. The city wants to know where you're going. And uh, as I'm walking to school, my mom's walking me up. It's about five blocks away. Like she's taking me to kindergarten, my first day in kindergarten. And we're walking. I'm still scared, you know, because this is a this is a big decision, and the decision was made. And as I'm walking with her, I'm trying to figure this all out, you know. I, I'm Duke and all these schools, and my mom put her hand in my hand, and right then and there, I I, I became not brave, but I, I was secure in my decision. And she said, "I don't need to know." She said, "You'll tell them in a minute." And I told them, people at the press conference, I said, well, "I'm going to Duke." They said, "What?" <laughs> Somebody said, "Do they even have a basketball team?" <laughs> you have no idea the reaction of people from Philly in that big press room. It was like, "What the hell is Duke?" And I just said, "Well, I, I believe that I can help make Duke a national power, and it's not so much what I can do for them as well, so what they can do for me." And it's a long story about all that, but that's that's what happened. And uh, it was it was God let me honestly, God let me to go there. You know, he gave me, and everything that I dreamt about and happened in and, and, and my dream, guess what? 
Came it happened on freshman mm-hmm. day. Everything. Didn't win the game. Even in my dream, didn't win the game. Everything that that happened. So it really was God's uh, destiny for me to go there, honestly. All right. So before we get into the UCLA visit, I want to know. <laughs> I want to know. By the way, I didn't tell my mom about that either. So. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you one bit. Now, I'm wondering, since you did visit State and Carolina, what were the experiences like visiting those schools, and how did the rivalries with those schools grow during your time at Duke? Well, I, I went to State, and I, I became very close to uh, Clyde Austin, Clyde the Glide, and he got mad at me when I told him to go to Duke. I mean, he really got angry at me. Uh, my mom loved Norm Sloan. You know, Norm Sloan, I would come in uh, from – from practice, sometimes I looked through the window, she was in the, in the and Norm Stone was stretched out on my mom's couch, my, my mom and dad's couch, but they stretched out from eating. My mom loved to cook, and he would eat so much and be and be stretched out like you and I are stretched out watching the game with, with our feet up on the top of the thing. And I would sneak off after I spoke to him one time, but my mom loved him. Uh, Carolina, when I visited Carolina, it was like a cadet school to me. You know, they, they all stayed in the towers. Um, it didn't have any, to me, individuality. It was mm. like a whole collectively thing. And that's what they, that was their whole thing. Uh, and I was more of an individual. I like, I like the fanfare and all the stuff that they had, but that wasn't me. I mean, the, um, when it came down to it, Duke was a, a great pick for me because when I did go to school, I like Dean Smith. When Dean came to visit me, it was like the FBI coming to visit you. I'm sitting <laughs> on the sofa. My mom set these chairs out and it's Fogler, Guthrie, Dean's in the middle. I don't remember if Roy Williams was there. They all had on black suits, like like men in black. I was intimidated. I'm sitting on the sofa by the chair, and they're talking to me, and I'm like, wow. You know, I was really, I was kind of intimidated, but it wasn't uh, an individuality for me for to go to Carolina. Interesting. Um, so I do want to know a little bit more about that uh, that transition. Uh, between Bill Foster and Coach K. And, uh, and I also want to know from you, um, not only just like meeting him and, and, and what he was going to bring your senior year there, but talk about how you and, and Mike Jaminski and others kind of set the stage for him to have success there. Because uh, I, I know a lot of times people talk about the 86 class, um, but at the same time, though, like you guys were a foundation for him to have something to, to build upon. How uh, important was that uh, for him to have his success? Do Let's you think? make this very clear. He didn't come into a situation we had to clean up. We were, we went to the Final Four. No, yeah. excuse me, we went to the NCAA Championship in 78. Yeah. The following year, we were number one in the country, okay? And we were number one in the country twice. Yeah. And we won the ACC title. Uh, we won two of them uh, before he got there. Uh, and, uh, we were, we were, you know, it wasn't like a rebuilding thing, so to speak. Uh, the biggest problem was uh, Bill left, decided to leave. There was so much tumultuous with him and the AD, Tom Butters. It's funny how Tom Butters didn't really care or didn't get along with Bill, but he loved Coach K. Hmm. Because Coach K had a couple of years where everybody wanted him gone. I mean, the, the, the alumni, the Arn Dukes, everybody wanted him out of there. Uh, and they were serious, but Tom Butters stuck behind him through and through. It was totally opposite with Bill Foster and uh, and and and, and, uh, and Tom Tom Butters. Uh, for me, Bill was a type of coach. He allowed you uh, to to have your freedom. He allowed you to be expressive. Uh, coach was more of a you know he's, he's military, so 
Um, he was more be on, be on the line and do this. But he wasn't really hard on me or, or Kenny Denard. We were the two captains. Uh, he knew we were there. We we're going to be going soon. Uh, we were elite players. I don't think he knew how to, to coach elite players at the time. Um, and we were basically elite. Um, and, he, and, he's, and he said that. He said that. He didn't know about that. He, he made some changes and some adjustments. He really helped my career in some ways uh, where, you know, I led the ACC in scoring. He changed your offense yeah. around. I mean, he, he's he's a he's excuse my French. He's a ball buster when it comes to being young, and that's military. You know, you break a person down and you build them back up. We right. were already there. I was already there, so it wasn't about breaking down. And I gave him, I gave him a few headaches, but I never went against his authority. It never caused any problems. So with that. If you don't mind if I interject, like I just want to ask this because you just said a moment ago one of the reasons why you didn't like Carolina because it felt like it was too military. But then yeah. he comes with a military background for your senior year. Did you did you look at it? Did it feel like oh gosh, this is what I uh, could have avoided, or no, did he, you feel okay? He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't throw it at you like that. Okay, you know, he, okay. He, he has subordinates, people taking care of their responsibilities. It's all about collective responsibility and making you believe in trust and making you believe in pride. He was really great at that. And I saw him being a great uh, a motivator in one aspect. He had his rules. He had things he wanted done. And we didn't see the Bobby Knight part of him until the middle of the season. He said, he always said, I'm not Bobby Knight. I'm not Bobby Knight. But he snapped one time. And we <laughs> he snapped. But the thing was, when he, when he did snap, it was I saw what kind of motivator he really was. Okay. He really was a motivator, and he was great. The thing I regret most about him, uh, me with him, is I didn't have another year with him. Mm. Mm. When you first met Coach K, what was your first impression of him? <laughs> he's young looking. Um, <laughs> he's got dread black hair. He's got no lips. You know, <laughs> we sat, Kenny Denard and I, we sat there in the chair. We have been gone. Uh, we took an extra week off, so to speak. You know, we were Kenny was down in the Keys on some yacht or some boat. I was in Philadelphia chilling for a little bit. We weren't involved. No one told us about anything about the coaches. We had no idea who the coaches were. Tom Butters and they didn't sell, leak out anything. They didn't talk to us about anything. So uh, Kenny decided to go down to the Keys, and I decided to go to Philadelphia for an extra week or two, which which I was told that we weren't supposed to do, but. <laughs> We did that. And when I found out the news, I was in the kitchen. My mom was cooking. My grandmother, we were all in there. And uh, the news said, Duke has a new coach named Mike. The guy says, I can't even say his name. And my mom says, oh, dear, you got a new coach. I said, really? <laughs> no one called us or nothing. They finally got in contact with Kenny. He was, like I said, on a boat somewhere. And he asked us to come back. We came back. We sat there in the chair. And the funniest story I remember more about him, when we were sitting there, we were looking at him. He says, there's a thing about responsibility and you guys are at this point where we got to be men and there's a line there's a line you don't cross when we did he's talking about this situation and he says and he made us both laugh he says there's a line you don't cross and you two guys have crossed the line you have on it you have pistol <laughs> so you know it was like <laughs> broke the ice you know he broke the ice and we we kind of laughed and because we, we were able to do almost pretty much what we wanted to do legally and uh, he broke the ice when he said that. He said, no, we just got to be men and be responsible, and we have to be collective. And, and that, that, that made it fun. That made it fun. He, he, he broke the ice on that one. That was awesome. I, I do want to um, kind of ask about 
um, just that year and, you know, being able, I think you guys went uh, like 17 and 13 that year. And then you did, you were able to beat Carolina at Cameron indoor stadium. Um, you know, just that. Yeah. And, and, but I want to ask like, you know, these days, you know, a new coach, a lot of kids are going to transfer. Uh, was that even a thought back then? Or was it just like, okay, I'm just going to just, just stick it out my last year. Mark, um, even when I was asked to go pro, well, not asked, but uh, after my freshman year and sophomore year, my sophomore year, I didn't even play that well. Um, and I didn't, the NBA was men. Those guys were men, you know, and I was enjoying college. Uh, I could have been a one and done back then. Uh, it was quietly behind the scenes and I could have just went and did it. Um, the thing is, uh, with that concept, um, my mother always told me, and she put it in my head, you got to finish what you started. You know, and when I sat and talked about us, mom, I might they think about me going pro. I, I was worried and scared that what I might come would have gone, but she says, No, you have to finish what you started because those those boys, your teammates are depending on you, the school's depending on you, everyone's depending on you. So you cannot even think about and I want you to graduate and get your degree. So that just went out the window of uh of, of me even thinking about leaving and then even transferring. Um I could have transferred when Bill left. They didn't talk to us, had all the right in the world. And if they had to transfer, listen to this now, if they had to transfer portal, it would have been something I would have thought about. Hmm. Um, but I always thought my mom told me, she said, you have to finish. Everybody's depending on you. And I always felt that way that uh, people do, the students, the, everyone, they depended on me. What was the conversation like amongst your teammates when you found out that you're getting a new coach? We didn't really talk. I mean, honestly, we didn't converse about it. Um, Kenny and I, Kenny left, I left. Tom Butters wasn't talking to us. Everybody was still doing school, whatever. We just, we had no no say. We had no power. And it was like, they just did it and didn't converse and tell us anything. So nobody really had any conversation or what to say or how to say, because we didn't even know who was even in the, the running. I didn't learn about who was in the running until... I was in the pros years later, you know, so we didn't have any conversation about it. We had, uh, it was, it was the weirdest thing, you know, we just did what we had to do. And he got announced and we came back and it was go to work. Um, a- after school's over, you were telling us before the interview started some of uh, what you do with uh, Duke as well. But um, after you were done, uh, talk about how your relationship with Coach K kind of helped uh, blossom and, and maybe how he maybe used you and Jaminski, others, Kenny Denard to kind of help, um, I guess, set this Duke program in, in the image that he wanted to be and uh, and maybe come back and help mentor, uh, you know, players that came after you. The one thing that's been great about Coach is, is the great thing of, of the family. He's done a great job with uh, the Duke Fantasy Camp. Uh, he's done a great situation with bringing us back, uh, getting all the guys from the young to the old, uh, when we come to the fantasy camp, we're coaching, we're mentoring, we're 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 sharing, we're breaking bread. You know, I'm sitting at the table with uh, Christian Layton and JJ, and then and, and then Jay Williams, and we're we're kicking and talking about life, about family. That's what he has done. That's been phenomenal, of um, mm-hmm. having guys come back. And when they say the brotherhood, it's very very powerful about that because I can talk to all the guys. You know, John Smith, I saw him, and we talking guys from the top to the bottom. And we have a relationship that we are able to talk to each other and share some things. And that that's that's the most phenomenal thing. I and I I feel beneficial about it because I was the first with him. And you know, they, 
Christian calls me the Godfather. You know, he said, you were the Godfather. You started all this. You put this emotion. He says, if it wasn't for you, uh, you know, a lot of black players wouldn't have seen you on TV and came to do. He said, you opened the door to all of that. I says, well, he says, no. He says, because, and that's what Kay has brought that to a point where even sometimes I go to practice, I've been able to talk to the guys. In COVID years, last year, no, not so much. But it's, it's, it's just phenomenal what he's done as far as the family aspect and for the players. Now, he's not always perfect. You know, you, you may have heard some stories and some I've heard, but as far as I'm concerned, um, when he sees my kids, uh, my daughter, especially my daughters, he was doing a, a CBS taping and he got up and uh, walked, stopped and came over to them and he hugged them and hugged them for a long time. Didn't even care about me. I was, I was just standing there like a love. <laughs> um, and every time I see him with my daughters, he stops what he's doing. He hugs them. He holds them. And that's, to me, the most powerful thing mm -hmm. to me in my heart. Not just him coaching me, but when he treats my kids like that. It's, it's, it, it just blows me away. You know, he's, he's amazing when it comes to that. How have you seen from your time as a player to, to now not only the Duke community grow, but the Durham community as a whole grow? It's been interesting. When I came, when I came to Duke, the black community didn't like Duke. It was like, <laughs> it, was, it was the funniest thing, but it was, is the only way you get on Duke, you got to go over there and work, you know? And I, I, I went over to the Durham community, built, that's one thing I loved about Coach Foster. He allowed me to, to, to do stuff like that, go over and bring guys from over there, over to Duke where they would get harassed before, but I would bring guys over, people over, and uh, I enjoyed that. That's where I came from, West Philly, you know, that, that bring up, didn't matter about race or color. And we started winning. I was doing some stuff in the community. And we got the black community with us and, 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 and bonding with us. And uh, that was that was magical. That was magical. Nothing yeah. else happened. So uh, that was good. But like I said, you know, it, it opened up. You know, they're doing a thing about race. And they're doing a movie about that during that time. And we're going to be, I can't tell much more about it, but that's going to be the key about that team that brought everybody in 78 team. Uh, and that key of it was about race. And there wasn't, I wouldn't say I experienced any much racism in here. It was a different magic. You know, we started winning. The faculty was coming together. The students were coming together. Cameron Crazy became the Cameron Crazies. Um, the black community started liking us because they all like, they like Carolina and State because of David Thompson and all that. Mm -hmm. But they started liking us, man. And it, it was the most powerful thing. So I didn't really experience any in my time there, any racial situations, even though they had some before I got there, some some takeover of a building, whatever, but yeah. it just seemed like it wasn't kumbaya. It just seemed as though the spirit was just, you know, God sent me there for a reason. So that's where I looked at it, you know. So when, so when you look at, um, you know, and I wanted to kind of like piggyback off of that question and how you answer it, but you look at like the makeup of the teams and how it's kind of changed over the course of time, um, like how proud of you that to be able to be one of the uh, first visible uh, African-American players for Duke and, and to be able to basically kind of help bust that door open for, you know, many players to follow you after that, you know, Johnny Dawkins, Grant Hill, the list goes on, uh, you know, down the line, all the way up to Paulo Bancaro. It's the most rewarding and thing that I can go to my deathbed and know that I, I made something happen or be a part of something. I mean, even to this day, C.B. Claiborne is the very first uh, African-American that, that played on a basketball team. 
and I'm reaching out to get in contact with him. But to be that first, they, they call it quote superstar or whatever, to come there and, and have that influence. And you know, Johnny Dawkins and Vince Taylor says, "I wouldn't have came there if it wasn't for you." Um, mm. It's something very, very powerful to uh, to know that I've done that. But I know I didn't do that alone. Um, you know, God did that. You know, that was that was all His thing. It wasn't. It wasn't. I went there to make those changes. I, anywhere I go, I let my spirit do what it do. But uh, that was all God's plan. You know, I, I give Him the praise for all that because uh, I'm not trying to get here to preach anything. But this is that's what happened. Yeah. And uh, to have that happen like that, that was all His making. Playing at Duke and obviously all the ACC rivalries just within the state of North Carolina, State Carolina, Wake Forest. What made playing basketball, college basketball, in the state of North Carolina so special? Oof. Did you see the games back in those days? It was <laughs> <No. so much. laughs> We've seen replays on the ACC <laughs> network. <laughs> we weren't around. <laughs> I, I wish we were around, though. You, you, you weren't even in, in, in Pampers or Huggies so that's what I talk so but, uh, <laughs> um, it, it, It's amazing that basketball, the way it was played, and everybody was crazy. The fans was crazy. Mm -hmm. um, you can go into a store. It was like you, know, you, you, get, you can get chased out of a store or you can get harassed out of a store. You know, that was <laughs> the big thing about us in Carolina. Carolina would come over to Durham and get the haircut. And you heard the story about the barbershop thing. We almost had fights in that place, you know. Um, between Duke the, players and Carolina players at the barbershop? Barbershop, man. You know, wow. the guys be talking, be talking a lot of smack. And uh, I never wow. went over to Carolina. I went over there two times for try to go to party. When I first got there, because I went on a trip, I, I visited there. I forgot to go over in September. Oh, yeah, I'm coming over here. I'm Gene. I'm just, I, I enjoy my visit. I'm coming up to see how you guys are. Man, they ignored me, man. <laughs> they, they looked at me like I was a pariah. I, I was hurt. <laughs> this September, this is even before practice start. I was trying to get to know some people. They they, they dogged me, you know. So I I left. I then I come out. My car had a flat tire. Now that might have been coincidence. I don't know. Nobody knew I was coming over there, but I had a flat tire. So I'm driving back. I got the tire for this. Now I'm understanding why this situation is rivalry because it wasn't a rivalry until we started beating them. They started winning when I got there, you know, because they were state and Carolina were the rivals. But then we started winning, and uh, now it becomes the rivalry. And I didn't like them, but, you know, Al Wood and Phil Ford are, are some two of my best friends. I love those guys. And, 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 and George Carl, and I have a great respect. I love some Roy Williams, you know, so uh, yeah. I have a great, great respect for them. But back then, man, you couldn't, you couldn't, your whole week preparing to play them was your whole week, your whole lifestyle. When you ate, when you went to class, Everything that was all about you had to win that game, period. So let me ask you this then, uh, to build off of that, you um, um, had some time with the Bulls with Michael Jordan, and I know uh, you guys uh, were, you know, kind of miss each other a little bit in ACC. But like, did you guys go back and forth uh, about Duke and Carolina when you guys with the Bulls yeah. together? What kind of fights were happening in the Bulls locker room? Well, he he wore the, you know, the story about he wore the, the, the Carolina shorts under his other shorts, right? That, yeah, that's that story. So I says, man, you need to take them things and throw them out. <laughs> he, would, he would say something smart. We, we went back and forth, but we didn't go back and forth like you would think. Um, he would say something real smart, and I would, I would hit him back. But it wasn't as bad as that he does with other people. Uh, we, didn't, we, didn't get, we didn't get too deep into it. We kind of left it alone in a nice kind of a way because it got really kind of heated. But uh, <laughs> uh, 
it was like we both looked at each other like, ah, we gonna, we're not going to go too deep into it. So he was pretty cool with it. But other guys, he was he he he, he was vicious. Mike's Mike's can be Mike can be vicious, man, when it comes to. But he didn't Charles Oakley and myself. He didn't bother with too much. Most vicious Mike, Mike Shashevsky, or Mike Jordan. <laughs> totally. totally. <laughs> now I'm I'm curious. Did uh, were there any? Uh, did, did Michael try and put any wagers with you on the Duke? Carolina? Tried, tried. I don't gamble, so I don't. Okay. He knows that we took Michael. Michael, he'll put five hundred thousand dollars on a game. That's how crazy wow. it is. I mean, he would say, hey, Jill, you, you put your, let's put your check up for this game. I was like, man, you must be crazy. <laughs> come back, come back, taking no chances of, of gambling. No, no, no. He said, oh, I got your back. No, you ain't got nothing. I ain't putting no no paycheck up for no, no. No, we're not doing that. Mike, gam- Mike likes to gamble. I don't know how he is now, but he, he gambling anything. Okay, let's circle back around to UCLA. Cause I just, I just got, we just got to know. Got to know. We just got to know about that. <laughs> Man, it was the most serene, relaxing time. Marcus Johnson was the uh, was was the guy that took me around. The great Marcus Johnson played for Milwaukee Bucks, NBA player, and uh, we went in. It was like going in somebody's beautiful house, and you look out on the lawn, and they're they're, they're they're everywhere. Not a lot of people. It wasn't a lot of people. A lot of but a lot of. Bunnies, but not a lot of people. But uh, and, and we sat down, and had conversations. One wanted to be a veterinarian, and the other one wanted to be a doctor, and another one. They, the conversations were very, very articulate, very bright, very open. Very, <laughs> but you know, but they they also you know wore the bikinis when they were out. So that was yeah, that was interesting. That was interesting. I'm 17 years old. What do you? I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I handled myself very professionally. Let's just say that. Okay. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll, we'll, we can leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it at that 100%. All right. Uh, my final question is, where did the nickname Tinkerbell come from? Wow. It, it's it's in, it's books and all kind of stuff um, with that. And it, and it grew on me. Make along my cousin Theo. Had, he was good for in, in the city giving guys their names. So we're trying to. He was trying to find a name for me. I'm up here thinking Magnum Force, the Big Banks, you know, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Okay. So we, we go downtown. We, we plan hooking you out of school. It was a fire drill. We go downtown. He went to another school. I only I went to West. We had to duck into the movie theater because back in those days, they had truant officers in the white cars. You get caught there, they take you back to school. You get you get really get in trouble with your parents in school. So we duck in the movie theater. We watch the movie. And he says, that's what we're going to call you. I said... What I, I, I see Peter Pan, Captain Hook. He says, "Nah," and this is how he talks. He's, he's like a philosopher. Nah, we're gonna. That's what you're gonna be. I says, "What?" Tinkerbell. I looked and said, "Man, are you out of your damn mind?" <laughs> <laughs> I said, "What is he says?" Nah, you see, she flies in the air. That's how she. That's how you jump, man. You you fly. You see the magic come out. That's how you with the people in the community. That's that's you, Tinkerbell. I said, "Man, if you ever say that name to me." <laughs> In public, I'm gonna rip your head off. <laughs> so we leave from there. I got a championship game two days later. Okay, apparently he went around. It's the first time we have high school games on TV. We're playing a Catholic championship game. He went around the stands and got people to say his name. I heard somebody didn't hear anything. Make a long story short, I had the best game of my my career, senior year. I'm, I'm sophomore. I had two all public guys before. Hit the papers, I like get 24 points, 20 rebounds. I hit the papers, and I'm on. I'm interviewed on TV. Bah, bah, bah. 
My sister runs in the house with a newspaper. We're in the kitchen next morning. Mommy, look, look, look. It's on the front page. And it says on there, there's another bell in Philadelphia. And it was like wow. bubble face. Wow. I'm still not feeling this. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm not feeling this. We're all in the kitchen. My mom goes, oh, that's so cute. That's so cute. I said, no, mom. Teddy walks to the door. He's like, eat. We, I grab him. We go outside. I'm mad at it. I'm fussing at it. Seriously. We're going around the corner. It's a schoolyard where we all play. And these two kids are playing. So I'm barraging them. says, you could have gave me Magna Force. You could have gave me. Come on, man. How you going to do that? They call me Tinkerbell, man. <laughs> so then we see these two kids. I'm not making this up. And they're playing. Well, I'm barraging. This one kid says, I'm going to make this turnaround shot like Sweet Lou. We had a guy named Louis Lloyd. We yeah. called him Black, Black, Black Jesus, all kind of names. Like Sweet Lou. And this other kid grabbed a ball. I'm going to back you in and do the two-step back like the Tinkerbell. And we turned, I was, I was badger. We turned and looked, said, and he looked at me like, you see, and walked off. And I saw that this happened in two days. This was the two days the kid was said, I'm going to do this like Tinkerbell. And I sat and I watched this unfold while they playing one-on-one. He said the Tinkerbell. And uh, when I went back, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to embrace it. And my brother, my cousin Teddy says, this is what it is, man. This is what it is, how you talk. This is what it is. Clark Kent, Superman, mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne, Batman. Tinkerbell. He said, Gene Banks, Tinkerbell. <laughs> <laughs> so I embraced it, man. And I had this game, pre-game ritual and all that stuff. And all I kept saying, they're going to outwork it. They're going to have to work the Tinkerbell. I did all that crazy stuff and got myself lathered up. And then nobody calls me by my name. And all in Philadelphia, even old people that I went to junior high school that lived in the neighborhood, they don't call me Gene Banks or Gene. It's Tinker Tinker. Nobody calls me by my name. And that's even even in uh, Duke, all in Philadelphia, everybody. It's, it, I'm, I've, I've learned to embrace it. It's like the call is like a superhero. So I, I'm, I'm Gene Banks at work. And then when I play basketball, I become Tinker. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta find that uh, that that newspaper because it'll be awesome to see yeah. that there's another bell in Philadelphia. That that is that is amazing. Great headline. That's I amazing. Mean, excuse my French. I was pissed. <laughs> I was like, man, come on, man. My mom thought it was cute. I was like, nah, nah, nah. Take a bell. Come on. But I learned to embrace it, and it's done some wonders throughout the years. It's, it's amazing. Well, we can end it with this. I know you're right now the uh, athletics director at Gaston College in, uh, in Dallas, North Carolina. Talk a little bit about your role and, and uh, where you see uh, Gaston College going under your leadership. Well, I was, I was the athletic director. I got boosted up to being like a vice president or advisor oh. to the president. Okay, yeah. congratulations. Sorry, I missed out on that news. That's okay. That's okay. Um, it's, it's even better for me. It allows me to continue to go out raising money in corporate and do stuff that I normally do with my foundation with Speak With Kids. But I'm at Gaston College. Gaston College is a junior uh, junior college here in Dallas, North Carolina, which is between 20 miles from Charlotte and five miles from Gastonia in a small community. Great school, one of the top schools uh, in technology and textiles there is. Look it up. It's a, it's a two-year college, a community college. And how I got involved in this was uh, I was coming here with a baseball group to help buy a baseball team. Uh, and then the president, I met the president, John, Dr. John Hoosier, and he was talking about bringing him back. And then I put him on the phone with Leonard Hamilton. Leonard Hamilton went okay. to Gaston College. Matter okay. of fact, before they closed it down, he had 51 points in the game. Uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, he left from there, went to another. But he's a he's a graduate of Gaston College. Yeah. And his influence allowed me to get involved with it. And 
Uh, it's a different area in North Carolina. Um, some great, great people here. Uh, Dr. Hoosier's vision was was on point of having sports here. We're going to push back basketball, but we got but we got baseball. One of the top the, the baseball team in this first year is ranked eighth in in all the national junior college polls. That's awesome. They're that good. They're yeah. really good. Coached by uh, Coach Sean Doty, and uh, we had Dicky Nutt, uh, who's the basketball coach that was at with that uh, with Cleveland State, the sister coach year before last. Mm-hmm. So we got it. We got, and that was all by by the hands of uh, John Horshock, who was uh, the marketing director for sports. And we helped. We we had the Hoosier, myself, and John put together this collaborative triangle to get these all these awesome coaches, uh, and they've been doing a fantastic job. And uh, I love I, I love the job. I mean, look at look at my office. I mean, it's it's, it's bigger than the president. It's a nice office. But, <laughs> but the president, but the president, uh, he has a great vision. I really appreciate him, John Hoosier, and he's, he's done some great things here. He's continuing on and doing some great things, and I'm glad he, he believed in me, and uh, I believe in him. Well, this was entertaining. Um, yeah. You know, I, I knew it would be a good interview. I didn't realize it was going to be this entertaining, so I, I really appreciate you. Uh, I'll, for I'll, your... I'll calm down a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your insight, and I appreciate, uh, you know, all the stories. So I feel like we got to do a part two at some point because we got to dive a little bit deeper into the Bill Foster oh, years yeah. at some they, point. They're still trying. They want me to write a book. I started writing it, and uh, but i got to write this because it's just too much. That needs to be said. There's some stuff that you guys are gonna love. I mean, kids now do certain stuff. They get, they can get, they don't, they can get, they get thrown out of school right away. Yeah, we do stuff like being on top of the chapel, but we're not gonna go all. We leave that alone. We leave that alone. So, so part two this <laughs> summer, then. <laughs> part two this summer. I had a, I had a great great time at Duke. Um, my my classmates were awesome. My, my professors, they put a foot in my, because I almost, almost kicked, got kicked out of school. You see, y'all didn't know that. What, what I, year? I had to go to summer school because my grades were down. And I almost got, almost got kicked out. If it wasn't for Dean Elizabeth Nathans to put a foot in my behind and make me stay and go to summer school for and get my act year, you wouldn't have wouldn't even heard about Gene Banks. I'd have went what, to for somewhere else. What year was this? This was um, my sophomore year. Wow. I mean, because we were going, we went to the Final Four. Yeah. And we went to the championship game. We come back, we smelling ourselves, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm missing classes. I'm not putting my work in. You know, everybody's loving us. Everybody was loving us. I mean, it was, jeez. We were, we were, everybody loved us. The whole, not just the state, but the whole America. And we, you know, like a kid, you start smelling yourself and start doing stupid stuff and not doing your stuff. If it wasn't for her and my English teacher, my English teacher came down when he heard about it, slapped me in my face. He drove eight hours, came, knocked on my, opened the door, slapped me in my face, told me I'm an embarrassment, turned around, walked out, brought my mom, and they left and drove back eight hours. I saw him 20 minutes, and that turned my whole wow. life. Yep, slapped wow. me. Wow. Times slapped. are different. Yes, yeah. are. <laughs> <laughs> Times are very bit. different. Just a little bit. Yes, they are. Yeah, well, well, I'll, I'll be looking forward to part two uh, at some point. Uh, so, Mr. Banks, it's, it's good to uh, see. Maybe we could do this in person at some point if you're ever in Raleigh. I would definitely do that. I'm not too far away. I come to Raleigh sometime. I uh, got some great friends up there. Earl Reese, those guys up there oh. at, the, at the radio station. Yeah. I got a lot of Duke lawyer friends and classmates that up there. I just haven't had a chance to come up there, but I'm going to do spend some time for myself to come up and, and enjoy it. I go to Sea Grace. There's a place called Sea Grace. It's a jazz place. I've enjoyed going to. Awesome. Okay. 
Sounds good. Uh, well, maybe we can uh, we can meet you there. <laughs> Thank you so much, Gene Banks on the Culture State Podcast. <laughs> you what you're doing. You guys are great. We want to thank Gene Banks for that amazing interview. Dennis, I did not expect to laugh that much. I did yeah. not expect to be that entertained uh, yes. listening to him. This is one of the longer episodes, of course, um, and, and that's why. Like When, when somebody's going like that, it's just kind of hard to cut that off. If we didn't really consider the time frame that we have to be on television mm-hmm. and you know what we wanted to keep in our heads, that easily could have been a two-hour interview. Oh, easily. Easily could have been a two-hour interview. But you know what? Part two. We're going to have to have a part two with Gene. Yeah, we have to. That was uh, an amazing interview, interview, so we want to thank him. And speaking of Duke versus North Carolina, how did we get that interview, by the way? Oh, former North Carolina women's basketball coach Sylvia Hatchell hooked that one up. So it's interesting because we're talking about the North Carolina-Duke rivalry. There's also a lot of like between Duke and North Carolina and Sylvia Hatchell and G Manx are really good friends and Sylvia, you know, facilitated all of that. So shout outs to her, uh, you know, friend of the show. Now Gene Banks is a friend of the show and uh, man, Saturday, man, I, I, I just, I can't, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Uh, if you listen to this yeah. before Saturday, make sure you check out Chris and I from 10 to noon on 99.9 The Fan or on WRLSportsFan.com. You can also download the free WRL Sports Fan app. You can listen to us live. We're going to be talking about that game and some other things, but mostly about that game yeah. that day uh, as well. I, By the time you're listening to this or watching this, I'm going to be in New Orleans for the Final Four. Sorry, Chris, that you can't come. Powers that be. Yeah. But nevertheless... I'm going to be there, so make sure you check out at Culture State Pod on Twitter and Instagram. We're going to have some exclusive content and some stuff behind the scenes for you all there, so make sure you check that out for sure. Can you do me a favor, though? Maybe. When you get to New Orleans, when you have a little bit of downtime, okay. can you visit a few places for me and FaceTime me from those, face, from those places? Okay. Because I listen to, listen to a lot of New Orleans hip-hop. All right. Cash Money, No all Limit, right. a lot of that type of stuff from the late okay. 90s, early 2000s. And I just want to see these places that they're shouting out. All right. Apple and Eagle. All right. In the 17th Ward. The Magnolia in the third ward. Okay. The Calio in the third ward. St. Thomas. I think that's the seventh ward. Sure. So, you sure? A lot of, a lot of wards out there, man. I don't know if I can get the all. Is it, is it like, is it like 36 chambers in the Wu Tang Clan? Like, how many <laughs> wards down there? I think there's 17 wards. I think it's just 17? 17? Yeah. Actually, you don't have to go to those places because those are like the hoods that they were shouting out. I was just playing, and I don't want okay. you to get—I don't want you to get caught up. In, <laughs> don't want you to get caught up in all that because right, what they were talking about happening in those blocks just—it wasn't nice stuff. So, but I appreciate your enthusiasm, though. You know, I'm gonna just like B dot saying, "Hey, stay away from MLK <laughs> and Winston Salem after midnight at the BP specifically." Yes. <laughs> I believe it was between the hours of 1 a.m. and 3 a.m. <laughs> the slides. But, yes, I'll make sure. I'm just going to stick to the French Quarter. I know i got to get my girlfriend some some different spices and cooking stuff that she know, I know that she wants. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to pick those up for her as well. If well, I the third some- ward is close. So if you happen to drive by the Magnolia, let me know. Sure. I just won't stop. Apparently. Okay. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> bye. Okay. Later. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, make sure you check out. Got Culture State Pod on on uh, Instagram, Twitter. I'm gonna have some exclusive stuff 
down there for you all as well. We're going to have some fun down there for sure. Sorry, Chris, that you can't be there, but it's all good. Yeah, but big thanks to Papa Murphy's Pizza. Tuesdays, ten ninety nine large pizzas. Make sure you go stop by there. Get yourself a large pizza. Papa Murphy's change the way you pizza. The state is yep. about to blow up. Oh, I think the state is about to blow up. See already, you guys later. It's already blown up, man. You guys be safe. The Culture State Podcast, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network, with new shows coming out every Wednesday. Download and subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts, including the WREL Sports Fan app.